Shalom from the Judean Mountains. Welcome back to Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, your host, and it's really wonderful to be able to speak and share with you today. Um, I'm really grateful. I have to start off by saying we're so grateful for the support of Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia, and our friends, the Coin family, for making this podcast and, uh, and future episodes possible. We certainly invite you to stay in touch on this topic and many others at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. And also, so I don't forget, a special shout out to our friend Ann Harrison and prayers for her full and speedy recovery. Um, today, uh, you're going to hear some background noise because we're doing something that's very different. Uh, I'm with a friend, Ruthie Lieberman. Um, who is actually, as we say in Hebrew, in the Shetach. She's in the middle of a wonderful archaeological dig, which is not our topic, but I want to hear about. Um, Ruthie is uh, a founder and president of the Jaffe Strategies Consulting Group. She's got tremendous experience both in the for-profit and non-profit, as well as government relations. Um, like me, she's the parent of a soldier and mentioned to me earlier that she's going to get out of where she is sooner than later because her son is coming home. And we also, um, as of my appointment recently, are both um, board members of the Ariel, uh, of Ariel University. And I'm really excited because the truth of the matter is I don't get to see or speak with Ruthie as often as I would like. So this is a, it's a, it's a treat for me. Um, and I, and I know that it will be for, for you as well. Um, what, what Ruthie, I want to, before we jump into the topic, which everyone knows from seeing the, the, the production here is about the boycott of and by Ben and Jerry's tell, tell us where you are, where, where is this, um, you, you hear the wind and, and I see a beautiful old tree behind you. And I suspect that because it's archeological, there's some other beautiful old stuff. Where, what are you up to? I'm not sure how much of the old stuff I can show you, but, uh, I'll say it as a, as a kind of a, I, I apologize for being not so, you know, looking like we do when we visit Washington, D.C. I'm in my work clothes. I am covered in dust, uh, but it's holy dust. So what the heck? And I want to share it with you because for behind me, north of here is Jerusalem. And I'm sitting at a tell, which is an archaeological site of an ancient town. And it's the ancient town of Gat. And Gat is the town of the Philistines. It's the first place that King David, before he was king, when he had to run away from Saul, he ran here. He sought shelter from the Jewish area behind me and north of here from Jerusalem. And he ran here. Uh, we're really in the middle of a, a beautiful, hot area of uh, the large Philistine city of Gat. And uh, we were just sitting at the well, but there wasn't a lot of uh, connect connectivity with the with the Zoom. Um, and we're digging Philistine Gat, where David came and asked King Achish to uh, to shelter him here from Saul when he had to run. So it has so much significance uh, historically. We're talking about the 9th century BCE, which is, you know, really long time ago. and um, years. Yep, and here we are, Jewish, digging, and, you know, you look at every little tiny thing, and you take these rocks, and now we've gotten to a destruction level, where in the Bible, it tells us that Hazael, the king of Aram, came, and he, the Aramites destroyed the Philistines. So, you know, in a textbook, that's that sounds kind of boring, and it also sounds kind of irrelevant, but when you're sitting here, and you say, well, Jerusalem's to my north, and... The Philistine city of God's right here. And I know David sought shelter here. Well, this is where he walked. 
this is where they drank their water. These are the stones of their homes. And we just found um, a cooking area and, uh, and we're finding uh, the, the small things that probably were the remnants of what they cooked. So, you know, who knows? Maybe King David had a barbecue here before they sent him on his way. And he didn't invite you? Come on. What's that? That's not possible. I, I probably just missed my invitation. <laughs> um, I, I neglected to mention Ruthie's also a tour guide. So a lot of the knowledge and wisdom <laughs> is not just because she's really smart and, 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 and connected to lots of things, but she has this professional background. So for those who, who have been um, missing coming to Israel uh, and, and or haven't been, um, we hope that you'll be able to come back and, and be with us soon. So I wanted to, I want to jump in to the topic and I'm going to sort of give an intro as I understand it, but I, I, I really like your input. There was something I saw that you had posted online and, and I know you have your hand on the pulse of a lot of things. Um, recently, Ben and Jerry's, the corporate office of Ben and Jerry's in, uh, in Vermont, made a uh, quite a, uh, a shocking declaration that they were no longer they were go- going to no longer continue the arrangement that they have in Israel with the current uh, independent licensee who's had this who's had the Ben and Jerry's um, franchise if you will as an independent person for 35 years and the reason being is that he refuses to cave to their insistence that Ben and Jerry's no longer sell products over the green line and what people uh, refer to pejoratively as the West Bank. But basically, it's the Jewish communities. And it's actually interesting that you're where you are. Um, in a, it's not over the green line. It's not in that the part of, of biblical Israel that you and I live, but, um, but in Judea and Samaria. And, and, and since 1967, when we, we have been able to come back and reestablish our communities here and grow them. So there's a lot of political, uh, political charged things on, on both sides um, regarding that. And so Ben and Jerry's decided to stake, uh, stake its claim and say, no, we're not going to let Ben and Jerry's Israel sell products over the green line, which the owner here refused to do. And they said, well, we're not going to continue our arrangement. You've got another year and a half. Um, is there is there anything what, what what can you add to that as far as overview or something that I missed or insight that you might have? Well, you really really did, did mention the topic very well because yeah uh, yesterday or two days ago we all had broke loose about this. You know, people were opening their freezers and throwing out Ben and Jerry's. So that's the right thing to do, in my humble opinion, in America and everywhere else in the world. Whereas in Israel, like you said, we want to stand strong with this guy who's been providing Ben and Jerry's for us for years. We're so happy with him in general. Um, and he has withstood the pressure, I think, for five years now. And, and really, he's saying, people, I have a year and a half left on my on my um, my deal with them. And, and so, so keep it up. So I guess there you are. In Israel, we must keep eating Ben and Jerry's, which is kind of funny. Um, but right. I saw a great, if we talk about the micro and the macro, so the micro, I saw a great video of a guy with a book on, and he's in his kitchen. Ben and Jerry's, and he opens it up, and he goes, mmm, mint chocolate chip, and he opens it, and he goes, oh, this tastes like oh, politics. Right. Politics, it tastes like politics, so he chucks it, and he tries another flavor, oh, this tastes like politics. I don't want my ice cream to taste like politics. Ice cream should be fun. Ice cream should unite us. Ice cream should make us happy, and and that's really takes us to the macro, because it's a kind of 
forgive me, a ridiculous situation where one country who is supposedly friends uh, and good friends with another country is going so deeply into their internal policies as to tell them what to do, expect them to listen, and when they don't say, oh, we don't want anything to do with you. So, you know, that, that on that level, um, I think it's almost irresponsible for America to allow its universities, its corporations, um, it's even private businesses, but they're not they're not subject to the law as much um, to have, be able to make those decisions. So that is why we worked in Congress for really a whole bunch of years. And you mentioned Ariel University. I flew to Washington a number of times to discuss boycotting on the uh, university level. And we started our talk always with the quote of science has no borders. So why are they being introduced? Why are we making ice cream taste like politics? And so students who would win prestigious um, uh, awards and, and want to come and study with their grants in Israel were not allowed to study at REL University because it was over the green line in the Shomron. So, sorry. Shomron is, the Shomron is Samaria. Um, and, and yes, so, and so people have to, and it's a great perspective that you're adding. This is not just about ice cream. There are people who just have a bone to pick with Israel and will find any hook that they can, whether it's academics or ice cream. And I saw that video. And one of the interesting things about that video is it was by a secular Israeli in Tel Aviv. And his perspective was that, you know, I, and it was cute what he said. Ice cream is, unites us. It's something that makes us happy. But he understood that if you start boycotting part of Israel, you ultimately start boycotting all of Israel. And that wasn't uh, and that wasn't OK. By the way, I, I know you're not hearing it because you're there, but there's a lot of static because of the wind, I suspect. Um, so I so I want to continue this. Because it's, it's real. It's authentic. Um, I just apologize to everyone in advance. That um, that we're not in a studio environment, but this is this is as real as it gets. Um, so I hope people will will um, stick with us. Um, so let me let me use that to our advantage. Um, yeah, that was the wind. It was also my professor driving by. So sorry about that. And they wanted to make sure I'm okay because they're leaving me out here and who knows where uh, by myself. I have a car, so it's okay. Um, because this is the kind of experience that we try to have. If, if I go to Washington and try to talk to people about American law. And um, whether it should encompass not giving funds to a university that practices uh, boycotting and anti-Semitism or wants to stop um, supporting corporations, even if there are are, uh, ways to do that. So um, what what we first expect from people is to come to Israel and understand and to see. And if you see behind me, it's very flat, right? It's a flat land. And if we go over here, eh, you probably can't see it. It's the hilly land where this part was Israel already from 1948. And then this part was the border. And in 1967, we also got the land that you and I live in, Judea, Samaria, and then the heartlands of Israel. So I'm just not sure why 19 years of being at war in offensive battle situations, that being to my right or to my left, would make such a difference of whether an Israeli is allowed to have a vineyard and make wine and sell it to the world or not. So people come here and, and influencers, decision makers will come here from Washington. And, and I encourage everyone to do this and to be able to see it for themselves. And then they kind of scratch their heads and say, this is what it's all about. Right. Well, but it's important also, you know, one of part of the Ben and Jerry statement, 
corporate statement announcing their boycott was that they don't want, I don't remember the precise language, but the word they use, the I think it was occupied Palestinian territories. Now, now that's become very common and, and it's not for a whole, maybe a separate conversation when we can sit together in, the, in our yard and, and have a cup of coffee and, and, and share that with people. Um, but, but what people have to know is that the allegation of Israel occupying preceded the 1967 Six-Day War, when that green line that's sort of behind you um, was was an actual um, armistice and separation between Israel and Jordan's occupation of the land. And, And so when they speak about Israel's occupation, it's a I guess, pun intended, a very narrow line between which side they're interviewing and, and, and it's fitting. And maybe we'll see if we can find that video and share it here. Um, but when that man in Tel Aviv posted his cute video of throwing away his Ben and Jerry's ice cream, I think he realized, if he didn't say it specifically, that if it's first it's on one side of the green line, then it's on the other. And, 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 and those are the claims that are against us. You know, it's funny. I don't think of myself as a big boycott person. I don't think it's a great strategy. Um, I, 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 I boycotted, I think, fairly to say in my life, two things on principle. Um, one is because of, and I was very young and I've just sort of stuck with it, um, the, the huge um, oil spill in Alaska that, that Exxon was responsible for. So I can count on two fingers the numbers of, number of times that I purchased Exxon gas since then because I thought that they were not responsible even though they had a great penalty. And the other one is Pepsi. Now, I want to speak about Pepsi because Pepsi for, for years and years and years boycotted Israel. And this was before the more recent... Um, framework of BDS in the last 20 years, boycott and divestment and sanctions as a, as a, if you will, a formal movement. But Pepsi decided to go along with the Arab boycott of Israel, going back pretty much to the, to the uh, establishment of Israel. Um, so I said, great, they're boycotting Israel, I'll boycott them. As it happens, I went to Emory University in Atlanta, where we drink Coke anyway, and I prefer Coke, but I, but, but I, um, Always, I, I still drink when I'm drinking a beverage by choice. I'll drink a beverage that's produced by Coca-Cola. But I want to mention that because it's really ironic that Ben and Jerry's is standing on this unusual principle, not realizing that even a, what I think arguably a much bigger corporation, Pepsi, decided not just to end their boycott, but, but invest in Israeli corporations, including one that had been subject to the boycott, which is SodaStream. And, and, uh, and as a result of the boycott of SodaStream, 500 Palestinian Arabs lost their jobs. One would think that they would, maybe this is a new flavor, like re- read the tea leaves of their ice cream and see that this is really not a proper stand. What, do you have any other, what, what other historical perspective can you offer on that? Well, certainly, um, we, we take our guests to Barkhan. Can you hear me? It's the industrial zone that's in the Shamron. So, you know, occupied Palestinian territory. They even dare to say Palestine, which isn't the country as far as I've seen since the Roman times. Um, they, and we watch them meet with uh, Arabs and Jews who hold uh, management and regular positions in a company, both of them. And they talk about it and they say, 
please work against the boycott. We're losing. We don't want to lose our business. We don't want to lose our our work. And they, they will be unemployed if we move these large companies out. And that's what will happen from a boycott. Now, I, I actually, you know, people said to me, oh, let's let's let Ben and Jerry's know that they're making a huge mistake economically. And I'm thinking, you know, there, there might be there's a really large Arab population in the world, and that's great. Not sure there's a lot of Jews. Maybe if the Christians stood with the Jews, that there'd be the numbers. But I don't know that we can make the economic claim. Um, like you said, Pepsi did decide to invest in Israel economically. They're doing great. But to say to them, we're going to stop eating your ice cream, I'm not so sure they care. I really do think this one is ideological, and that's why it worries me. 20 years ago, I believe, I have yeah. to be corrected, the Ben & Jerry's ice cream company, same one, and I think the brothers were in charge then. They stopped using, very vocally, they stopped using uh, distilled water from the Golan. The Golan Heights is occupied, they decided, and they're stopping to use the distilled water from there in their in their around the uh, Middle East. You know, and that, that seems silly to us at the time. And I think we all kept eating Ben & Jerry's. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, I did. I'm guilty. And, um, and then we kind of poo-pooed it. And now that Boycotting Israel even has uh, a name, right, BDS, and I try to stay away from that because it's not a thing. You know, it's immoral, it's an act, it's a decision, and it's, uh, it's anti-Semitic, and it's a boycott, and those are the things we have to say in their full words. So, so those are the things that really come to mind. We didn't take things seriously for a long time. Now we're faced with more more boycotts and more serious boycotts, and I think that, on the one hand, I feel like saying, I don't care. Um, and on the other hand, as a as a country, Israel has to stand up for for ourselves and our own policies and our freedom to make them. And I think America, as friends, um, and they are across the board and bipartisan, friends of Israel have to legislate so that where they can hurt a boycott, they should be taking effect. And that would be any institutions and any organizations that take money from the government can be sanctioned for making sanctions against Israel. And that's absolutely something that should happen right now. So you're, so it's a, it's a great point. The question is, um, you're speaking future tense. There isn't such legislation nationally, but I want to come back to state by state. Um, and, and people are watching this from all over the world, so they can apply it as they, as they, uh, as, as is fitting in their respective countries. But on a national basis, can such legislation even have teeth retroactively? Yeah, well, the retroactive part of it is less relevant because it talks about monies being um, implemented. And if, if, the, if the government of Canada, of France, gives money, and from wherever you are all, and you all can do this, um, if they can say that the monies are, are given on the condition that... X. There are lots of conditions on it, government money. You have to fill out a lot of forms. You have to meet a lot of standards. You have to qualify. Now, you will lose that qualification if you do X, Y, and Z, and those should be boycott, sanction, or divest from Israel. Right. Because that's just pure anti-Semitism, and it should probably already be illegal in many countries. It is. Um, we just want to apply it to hurting them monetarily so that people will think again about doing it. It shouldn't be so easy to just come out with a political statement, ooh, I'm so great, I boycott Israel, I'm so open-minded, I'm for, uh, you know, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, which is actually terrorism, but 
people feel good with these short little quippy ideas and instead it's just it should be a more serious decision that will hurt them and then and then they shouldn't benefit from your country's money wherever whatever country you live in and that what? and that uh, that legislation wasn't was uh introduced in congress on a national level you're right it's being fought state to state which is fantastic um our good friend governor DeSantis in florida um inherited a state that was already way ahead of the curve and they're working to make it airtight and anyone who is an official incorporated body of some sort who practices anti-semitism or boycotting they will feel it and it will come back uh, to boomerang and and the legal way so there are states like that who are doing it and we'd like it to be federal so that it can be uh, across the board and other and other countries are falling in line with that legislation they copied it and it uh, needs to be introduced right now is it correct? You just said something. Uh, Florida, I, I, I know anecdotally, also ha- has that very strong anti-boycott of Israel law. Um, Thirty-four other states have that. Florida was kind of a um, uh, a prototype, right? And in some cases, has been copied and, and modeled in other states. But in some states, they have their own. What's the? Do you, do you have a sense of what's the difference or, or the, the the relative strength, if you will, or consequences in other states? Well, one thing that happened is that there were two very good organizations working strongly and they kind of divided the map and they worked and they had different uh, emphases in their wording. But the bottom line is the same. Um, whether you want to just go after corporations or institutions or uh, academic institutions of higher learning, uh, do you want to make it illegal for teachers to teach it? You know, there's all sorts of different ways to look at it. Um, my work on the federal level in America, again, and, and we have been approached by Canada and a few others in Europe um, and elsewhere to to copy that is is a, a broad-termed kind of a concentration on where the government money goes. So if you get government funds, you cannot be anti-Semitic, basically. So, um, and that's different than what the states are doing. So, so let me let me take that uh, take uh, that that lead where you just said in terms of can't be anti-Semitic. Uh, I, I suspect people uh, following this conversation don't have a problem with that notion, but probably don't understand why. Uh, they people hear in the news that that okay, there is there are Palestinian Arabs and and they're so to speak occupied and. There's a notion that there should be a, two, a separate state, a Palestinian state and two-state solution, and therefore Israel's, uh, if not exclusively, at least partly to blame for that. And so people can connect the dots and say, oh, okay, I, I, I agree with the you know, general social concept, but what makes these boycotts not just anti-Israel, but in fact anti-Semitic? It's a wonderful question. It's it's uh, a question that I asked myself for many years, and I was uncomfortable making that equation, um, equating one with the other. But as time went on, and I talked with lots of interesting people, and we've had this conversation too, you and I, um, we see that it's the ex- the expression of anti-Israel sentiment these days has kind of become the uh, the go-to for people who do seek to be anti-Semitic. Now, anti-Semitic is not a bad thing if you think that that's what you should be. So if people think that, that Jews, you know, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to say, but if people think bad things of Jews, um, 
then and if they feel that they don't want them to to get ahead in life or or be in in uh, in um areas of leadership or make money or whatever anti-Semitism is of those times. Um, today, it's really showing itself through anti-Israel actions. And, and we see it in Congress where I think that the, I mean, I, I'm more oriented towards the political world and on a federal level in the U.S., but take that as an example of what's going on in parliaments all over the world. Um, I think the Democratic Party is having a hard time dealing with the people inside itself and they really have to scratch their heads and think, well, is this the direction we want to go? Because the, the, the blue dog liberal, the blue dog Democrats uh, were almost all pushed out in the last election by a group of very, very forceful, intense um, congresswomen mostly who got together and, and wanted to get in new blood that's really anti-Israel and, and I would dare say asked they would probably sound anti-Semitic. So it's a dangerous curve. I don't think that the parties themselves want want to turn that way. We certainly don't want to see the, the world's parliaments turning against us. It's not healthy. Um, we can manage. I'm not saying we, we need every parliament. We need ourselves. We don't need to ask what our policies should be. And thank God we are a free people in a free state. And it's a, a wonderful, flourishing state, even though I'm digging the past. Um, but, but, but we still, you know, it would be nice to, to not be bashed in the UN every day. I'd rather be louder and not have so much work to do as an Israeli ambassador to the UN as to see. I would like our ministers not to feel threatened when they step off a plane that maybe they'll be tried in Geneva for war crimes because they served in our army. I mean, I just feel that we have created a just society. We look out for the weak. We take care when we have a military need. Just now in Lebanon, last night, uh, there was an errant missile. And now the, our own army, the ITF, Israel Defense Forces, Defense Forces, are looking into it because it's very serious. Because even though it, it fell in open land, if God forbid, the Israelis would um, mistakenly open fire and, and hurt right. civilians, we would hold ourselves morally, um, you know, to at blame. So I, I would like to think that the world can see past the uh, the media hype, the the anti-Israel hype, and, and just kind of come here and see it for themselves, and also and and watch programs like yours and understand and open your mind and realize that there is a media out there that's that's tainted and wants us to to think and feel and see certain things. And and then there are people like you who are bringing the honest truth out. And and we're just talking and and, and this is real. Um, you can bring maps and I, and I hope you, I'm sure you will and, and people can open them themselves and they can come here and see. But the idea that Israel is probably the one of the most just societies I've seen in modern day uh, in the world, it, yeah. it, it's overshadowed by some hatred. And then we're stuck in this, in this place where we can't, we can't just go on and implement our policies peacefully. That's, a, that's actually a great point and something that when I used to work at the Israeli consulate in Atlanta and I would travel around the southeast um, trying to explain that, I, spoke, I, I speak about how thriving Israel is and what are really, really the light unto the nations. And we do so with one hand tied behind our back both because of the amount of money that we just simply have to re- uh, invest in terms of our own defense, but also that we're, we're the only one. I mean, not, other people look over our shoulders, but no one looks over our shoulders more than ourselves to make sure that we 
do things on a on, on ethical and, and uh, basis and, and with the sanctity of life for everybody. Um, and, and that's for a bigger conversation, uh, which I look forward to having. Um, let's come back to, to, to the ice cream. Um, we've seen great images of people uh, making up their own new funny Ben and Jerry's flavors that that are a spoof on uh, on, on their boycott. Um, we've seen um, of all one of the ones that surprised me, Mayor de Blasio of New York, who's not really been so so great vis-a-vis Israel um, or, or Jewish things in his uh, tenure, came out really strongly against the Ben and Jerry's boycott. We're seeing store sh- stores, grocery stores, and others take Ben and Jerry's out of their shelves and not buy. And one of the really very interesting things that struck me is in Australia, one of the um, rabbinic uh, bodies that provides kosher supervision has withdrawn its co- kosher supervision from Ben and Jerry's, so now those who keep kosher at least won't be won't be buying that. Um, there, there's certainly the groundswell of, of of a boycott, and you're probably right. Economically, it may not matter at least in terms of a bunch of Jews. Um, how big our uh, the, the the market, our Christian friends um, uh, bring alongside is is a whole different ballgame. Maybe a maybe a game changer. Um, but it's also that great paradox that you said earlier is that here it's an independent company and, and the owner has deserves a lot of credit for standing up to the tremendous pressure that he's been put under. So we're saying to, to people who want to boycott, great, boycott Ben and Jerry's all over the world, but not in Israel because he, that he's maintaining 160 jobs, Jews and Arabs of all ethnic backgrounds, and we want to be able to continue, and, and he'll have his own legal um, fight. What, what, what have you seen that's interesting or noteworthy in terms of the um, early stages of people being angry and boycotting? So I love that the topic is ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> because... You know, when IBM, anybody out there old enough to remember, made the first chips and they were made in Israel. And then people would say, oh, I'm boycotting Israel. You'd be like, well, look in your pocket and you've got a phone and look in your computer. And, look, you know, these chips were everywhere. And and so many things that have started in uh, in Israel. I don't think Zoom, but WhatsApp. I don't remember. But you could keep using Zoom even if you're going to boycott Israel. It's your shame. But. But um, the fact that it's ice cream makes it almost laughable, and I don't take it lightly. But I enjoy that the topic can be one to show a bit of um, how ludicrous it is to think that I am going to sit somewhere in the world. I'm going to say, ooh, those policies that I heard on the news and I've never actually met anyone or, or really learned about it, they don't sound so good. So I'm I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to, whatever. So, so if you think about it, the fact that we can now go back to the ice cream people and say, yeah, we don't need your ice cream. We can eat haagen because those guys are actually also Jewish and apparently really strong about it. You should read up about them. And they're, they're American. They're not, they're not, what are they? They're not haagen Sounds uh, Dutch, but it's not. Something. It was by German refugees, I think. Jew- Jewish yeah. German refugees. Yeah. They're Jewish. And uh, Golda is this new Israeli brand that's supposed to be really good. And it's turning international. So anyone who wants to support Israel or just doesn't believe in using boycott um, as a political tool, go get some Golda. 
So the, there's a there's a message here that the world is bigger than the hate. And the hate makes people so small and so bitter. And, and it even comes down to ice cream. You know, oh, we don't want to sell you our ice cream. You're doing something bad. Um, it just sounds almost silly. So I, I'm glad that the issue is ice cream right now. I, I It's a serious issue. It's one that we need to combat and we need to make sure that people who think about it will A, think again and not boycott and B, go get an education so that they can see the truth. And, um, and, then, and then the world will be a better place. Right. Well, actually, great point about the education. And, I, and I'll just interject that anyone who has questions or would like to know more about this and other topics should certainly please feel, uh, feel free to be in touch at Jen, uh, inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. Uh, we really want this to be an interactive dialogue, albeit that it's a, it's a conversation between the two of us. Um, but it's also funny that you mentioned in terms of ice cream, because here, you're right, we have some great choices. And, and, and a lot of people can also live without ice cream. But I'm, I'm envisioning the last time I was in a, in a freezer aisle in an American grocery store, I mean, the, the, the ice cream section is as big as a whole aisle in an average Israeli grocery store with dozens of choices. So anyone who's annoyed that Ben and Jerry's is doing something that's inappropriate. Yes, you mentioned Haagen-Dazs, but there are so many other brands, premium. And I mean, uh, uh, Turkey Hill, there's just the average brands where you can get a whole gallon for something like two or $3. So I'm, I'm always in for that. I haven't figured out a good way to bring home for my kids who love the uh, um, mint chocolate chip. Um, but when I, when I travel... Okay, so this has been amazing. Um, I just want to take, before we wrap up, one more kind of a wider angle. Um, about 20 years ago, if I remember correctly, 21, um, Ben & Jerry's was purchased by a huge corporate uh, corporation called Unilever, British-based company. Um, as it happens, they have a, a, a large number of food and uh, beverage products, including other ice creams like Breyers and Klondike and personal care products, and I don't even remember, and, and, and products that I've seen just from the logo that are in multiple countries because the logos are in multiple languages. Um, it seems to me that when, when um, Unilever purchased Ben & Jerry's, they allowed Ben & Jerry's to have a certain degree of corporate uh, independence vis-a-vis what they call, I think, social responsibility. So now there's a huge conflict between that. And I'm, I'm not 100% clear. You see people talking about boycotting all of the Unilever products. And there are a lot of them. And you and I buy them. Hellman's mayonnaise and, and all kinds of things that are on our store shelves here in Israel. Um, what do you know about that? What are your thoughts on a whole wider boycott that maybe Unilever would feel and then pressure to, to correct this uh, anti-Semitic boycott of Israel? I, too, would not want to lose the products. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's just very hot here in Israel in July. And so we went into the car. Um, I I just it's kind of like the question of uh, um, to describe it as German reparations. When the state of Israel in 1948 didn't want to take anything from Germany and then little by little got used to it and didn't want the country to feel it was okay, And now people are saying, well. I'm using my BMW to drive around my Jewish-Israeli family in the land of Israel. So, you know, it can go either way. I personally feel that we should be using what's comfortable for us if it's a product that's in our lives and it's not so easily replaced, so use it. But I don't think a company should feel comfortable 
making that statement. So if the comfort has to come from economic boycott, then that's what we have to do. And if we do that, then I call on all our Christian friends because we on the other hand, if you feel company won't be able to make a statement, we'll just be batted, either in the media or be swamped, or people, you know, the Prime Minister of Israel will call you because you use your company as a, as in a political game, and that's not okay. So if there are other ways of doing it, I prefer that. Um, and consumers have to go through their closets and throw out everything because then we're hurting ourselves. I also kind of have a little bit of pride being uh, a, a someone who has it um, in Israel enjoying products despite them. Um, but again, they must feel hurt of having such policies. And if it has to come from a boycott, then so be it. Then, then we can join. But first, I think we should try putting it out in our ways, like right. new, new uh, flavors of ice cream. And, and our prime minister calling the, the heads of Unilever, she did. And thank you, Prime Minister Bennett, for that. And, um, and otherwise, then we, will, then we will stop using it because, uh, you know, if, if you, I don't need you, right? If you're going to be anti-Semitic, God forbid. Um, if someone in the world is going to be uh, anti-Israel, then I can manage without them too. Well, that's, that's actually very well said. And it's funny because when you, I mean, pe- consumers can be aware and should be aware. Um, but it's funny, you, you and I didn't rehearse any of this conversation. I just knew that you had your hand on the pulse and we should speak. And I'm grateful for that. Um, and I'm sure if I had someone else have the conversation with me, they'd be all over boycotting um, Unilever and everything. Um, I, full disclosure, I sent an email and I have an email address. Um, that I'll be glad to share if anyone wants to send a note and give you give Unilever and Ben and Jerry's the chance to correct the this this um, this policy. Uh, we could go on forever. You're sitting out in the heat in the middle of uh, a three thousand year old city, and um, probably let you go. And and really grateful though, Ruthie, for you uh, joining us, sharing some of that great insight that I knew you would have. Um, and before we wrap up, just again, thank you to. Um, our friends who make this uh, program possible, um, the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia, um, please go in and buy stuff from them and give them a hug because without them, we would not be having this conversation today. And also my friends, the Coin family, um, who, who have uh, generously stepped up to provide the resources to make this happen. And anyone else who wants to be a sponsor, um, share your celebrations, your birthdays, your anniversaries. And as we did earlier, praying for our friend Ann Harrison, um, invite you to be in touch. It's really a privilege and, and, and part of the responsibility of building bridges and having what, what I hope will be an ongoing interactive conversation is, um, is, is that you will continue to share that information with us. And to you, and to you Jonathan, for being uh. bold enough and creative enough to be enlightening and bring the truth and bring reality and bring people to people because I think well, that's thank you. That actually means a, that means a whole lot, especially coming from you. It really does. Um, friends, thank you. Shalom from, uh, from me from the Judean mountains and Ruthie from, from the, from the uh, plains overlooking the Judean mountains um, soon to come home and, and be able to change into, into less, less uh, <laughs> informal clothes. <laughs> Shalom, everyone. Bye. God bless you.